Gary's waited on me for the last seven months, and I told him, I'm going to take him to first church. They make me carry my own up to the pulpit. He said, if they pay better, no, 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 the Baptists pay a whole lot better. No, 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 the Baptists pay a whole lot better. I told First Church after I'd been preaching for the Baptists, I wish I'd have done it a long time ago. They pay a whole lot better than Christian churches do. Well, I want to thank Carl, uh, Clay rather, for the nice, sweet poem that he wrote about me. That's the first time I've ever had a poem written about me, Clay. I'm going to put that on the refrigerator and show my children. So thank you very much. He writes a lot of good stuff. You ought to read some of his poems. Well, let's give it up for the praise band. They sang my favorite songs this morning. My mother has been gone now for 72 years, but her favorite song was I'll Fly Away. And every time I sing that, I think, I think of my mama. Well, dads, happy Father's Day to all you dads. Have you got your socks and your underwear and your t-shirts yet? That's about what it is at Father's Day, isn't it? So let's have all the dads stand and let's give it up for the dads. All right. Now your dads, just stay standing. I want to pray a prayer over all you dads, so just stay standing. Our Heavenly Father, on this day, we remember our earthly fathers. We pray for new fathers who are excited and anxious about being a father. We pray for fathers without work, for those fathers who take seriously their calling as role models and spiritual leaders, for fathers who find it difficult to spend enough time with their families, and for fathers who are coping with the challenges of a blended family. We pray for those fathers who are agonizing over the direction that their children have chosen. And Father, we remember single fathers who struggle to provide all the emotional, physical, and spiritual needs of their children. And Father, today it's a hard day for several families in our church because this is the first day, first Father's Day, without their dad. Comfort them with wonderful memories and with the truth that one day they will be together, never to be separated again. And Father, this is a hard day for those whose memories of their fathers are painful. And I pray that their wounds will be healed. And there are many in this room who thank you for stepfathers who loved them as their own and provided for them as their own. We pray for fathers who are separated from their children for whatever reason. And we especially remember the dads who are serving in military and who will be separated from their children today. Keep them safe. Return them soon to their families. And we hold up to you, all of us, her fathers. We have need of your wisdom, Father. And let your love move through us into our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And we pray this for all of our fathers. Now pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. And give each of us the message you want us to hear. We pray to you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, dads. Burlington Baptist Church is facing an unknown future. And some of you are scared to death about it. And some of you are gladly going to welcome it. 
Chuck Swindoll sums up our fears of the future when he says in words that I wish I could write like Chuck Swindoll. Listen to this. Fear, what a monster. Razor-sharp claws dripping with the blood of the unknown and the unseen. Piercing voice shouting ugly, destructive words of worry. One blast of its awful breath transforms saints into cynics. Fear can reverse an entire mindset. Its bite shoots a paralyzing venom into our veins, and before long, doubt dulls our vision. As we fall, fear steps on our face with its great weight of a massive tank and laughs at our crippled condition as it prepares for another pounce. Ever met this beast? Sure you have. Guys, in the sound, I'm getting a ringing. I'm getting a ringing. One of the greatest weapons that Satan has is the fear of the future. Solomon said, since no one knows the future, who can tell what is to come? Nobody can get us ready for the future because nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But what God does is give us faith to conquer our fears. Look at the screen, and if you get nothing else out of what I'm saying today, write this down. Faith is the only thing that takes the fear out of the future. Look at the screen, say it with me. Faith is the only thing that takes the fear out of the future. Now let me start with this. We fear the future when we worry. Worry and fear are Siamese twins. Worry is an attempt to live in the future so that we can control it. And the the word worry is an interesting word. The word worry means to be pulled in different directions. You know what I'm talking about? Are you being pulled into different directions this morning? What, What are you worried about these days? I'm not talking about the daily stuff that we have to deal with. I'm talking about the ulcer-causing stuff that we have to deal with. That big-time monster that crawls into our minds at night and robs us of sleep. I'm talking about the kind of worries that we take on vacation with us. Do you have any of those kinds of worries? Chuck Swindoll says again, stubborn anxieties work like petty thieves in the dark corners of our thoughts as they pickpocket our peace and kidnap our joy. Wow. Isn't that the truth? Now, we are smart enough to know that we can't fix tomorrow, but we're not smart enough to know that we won't, we'll stop worrying about it. We can't fix it. We know that, but we still worry about it. Listen to what Jesus said. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Now, I have never improved the future by worrying about it. Have you? Now, I admit to you I'm a worrier. I have to pray about that a lot. It's my thorn in the flesh. But we worriers have forgotten two things. The future isn't here and the future isn't ours. We will never be afraid, we will never be fear from, free from the fear, fear of the future 
by trying to order tomorrow around because tomorrow does not recognize us as its boss. So it's a no-win approach to the future. So we worry about the future when we worry. But then there is something else. And this is where this is this is critical. We worry about the future when we stay stuck. There may be some of you want Burlington Baptist Church just to stay stuck. But and you worry about the future when you stay stuck. Fear of the future keeps us stuck where we are because we are afraid to step into a tomorrow that is going to be different. And the best example of this is the children of Israel. They come to the border of the promised land and Moses sends in 12 spies. Two come back and they said, go, go, this is a great land, we can raise our children there, it's a beautiful land. And the, the majority report said, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. You should have seen the people there, folks. They're mean. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. <clears throat> we go into that land, they're going to kill us. And so they decided to stay stuck. And God says, if you're afraid of tomorrow, you can stay stuck right here. And you can wander around in the desert for 40 years until you die off. Fear of the future caused God's people to settle for camping out in the wilderness for 40 years. I can't imagine. I can't imagine camping out one day, let alone 40 years. My idea of camping out and roughing it is the Holiday Inn with the pool closed. I I can't imagine 40 years of that. And they wandered around for 40 years instead of claiming the promised land. And I'm afraid. I am afraid like Israel in the desert. Sometimes we have too much fear about the future and not enough faith. Living by faith is the only way to take the fear out of the future. Look at Psalm 112. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Now the word fear there is not shaking in your boots and quaking. It is reverence. A having an holy awe for the Lord. And happy are those who have this holy reverence awe for the Lord. Because they know God's got this. They know that God's got this. God's got the bad stuff, and God will take you through the bad stuff. Now, what we need is a dose of courage for tomorrow. Now, folks, courage and faith, courage and faith do not just happen accidentally. Courage and faith, we have to be intentional about courage and faith. We have to work on courage and faith. To quote that great Western theologian, John Wayne. When John Wayne was asked what courage is, the Duke said, courage, I can imitate John Wayne, but it's really poor, so I won't do it. I won't, I won't inflict that on you. John Wayne said, courage is being scared to death, but you saddle up anyway. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that good? That'll preach. That'll preach, John. You see, if we acted out what we believed, what would it look like? 
Hmm? What would it look like if we acted out what we believe? So we fear the future when we worry. And we fear the future when we stay stuck. Now, we don't fear the future when we realize the past gives us security. We don't fear the future when we realize the past gives us security. Our past is a strong answer and a security for the future. Burlington Baptist Church has a strong past. Burlington Baptist Church was established November the 4th, 1842 with 16 members. This November, you will be 177 years old. You look pretty good to be 177 years old. And with that strong past of ministry in this county and around the world, that ought to give you security for whatever the future holds. Now, this is one of the reasons we have worship services, to connect us with what God has already done for us and to remember what God has done for us in the past and to celebrate what God is going to do for us in the future. But we gather here every week. We sing our songs. We pray. We study the Bible. We hear a Bible message. We take communion if we want to. And that reminds us of what God has dealt with in the past. And that ought to give us power to deal with whatever the future holds. Because, folks, God has a great track record with the past. And God deserves our praise because of what he's done in the past. So if you are afraid of what might happen tomorrow, you just take a moment every day and thank God for what he has done in the past. Now, God has a great track record. God has a great track record with creation. Now, if you worry, this is what Jesus said about it. Look what he said. Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow... Won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. Wow. God says, look at creation. I've got a great track record with creation. Guess who's been taking care of this creation for four or 5,000 years? Look at this beautiful world. Guess who's been taking care of it? Who makes the sun to come up? Who makes the rain to come? You can stop any time with that, Lord. <laughs> who makes the blossoms to bloom? Who makes the leaves to spring? Who, who turns the hills and the forest in this beautiful yellow and red in the fall? Who's been doing this for about 5,000 years? <coughs> now, if God has been faithful in his relation to creation... What makes us think that he will not be there tomorrow for us? 
God has a wonderful track record with creation and taking care of this world. But let's go deeper. God has a faithful track record with our salvation. God has a wonderful track record with our salvation. Look at all that God has done to take away our sins and to make us right with him. Look at the screen. The greatest anchor we Christians have is the cross. Amen? Look at Romans 8.32. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us, what's the word? Everything else. Now, what kind of faith is it that knows that God sent his son to the cross for our salvation, but we're not sure if he'll be there for us tomorrow. You see, folks, let what God has done in the past give you security for the future. The Southern Baptist Church met this week in Birmingham, Alabama. J.D. Greer, who is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, in his address said a great thing. He said this, the power to do in the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of what God has done in the past. Amen? Amen. That was a good quote. Good quote. One of the greatest Christian songs of all time, to, to, well, it's the greatest Bill Gaither song. My favorite Bill Gaither song is Because He Lives. Marvelous song. But let me, let me tell you the story behind Because He Lives. Bill and Gloria Gaither had two little girls. They were trying to get pregnant. They did not want to get pregnant. But Gloria was pregnant. And they were not excited about it at all. They really were not excited about it. And the reason was, this was back in the late 60s, early 70s, when the God is dead theology was running rampant across the country. The drug scene was absolutely exploding. Our cities and our college campuses were absolutely being blown apart by demonstrations because of the Vietnam War. And they thought, this is a terrible time to bring a baby into the world. This isn't the kind of world that we want our baby to grow up in. And they were not excited about having a baby at all. And then little Benji was born. And they helped that little guy for the first time. And they realized that God does not mistake, make mistakes. It's no accident that he is here. And that is the reason why they wrote the third stanza of Because He Lives. Look at the screen. I want these words to soak in. Let's sing it together. All right? Are you ready? You're going to be the choir. How sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives but greater still the calm assurance we can face uncertain days be because he lives all right sing it because he lives I can face tomorrow 
Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Eat your heart out, Bill Gaither. <laughs> Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. See, folks, we can face the future with courage when we are anchored in the past expressions of God's grace. So we don't have to fear the future when we realize the past gives us security. You are facing an unknown future. With every pastor comes an unknown future. But folks, your history, your 177 years of ministry, ought to give you great security about the future, no matter what the future holds. Number two, we don't have to fear the future when we live in the presence with confidence. Maybe I should have said faith. We don't have to worry about the future when we live in the presence with confidence. I do not have to tell you, joy is a... Worry is a joy robber. And worry keeps us from embracing the possibilities of today. Because when we look <clears throat> at the future, what do we say? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? Jesus spoke into this. This is from the message. It's great. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Amen. I went to a conference at Thomas Road Baptist Church. That was Jerry Falwell's church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And I heard the renowned preacher Jack Hyle say to thousands of preachers were gathered in that big church. And he said something I never have forgotten. He said to us preachers, get happy where you are. Woo. And the secret of being happy and joyful where you are is learning how to embrace the now. Look what Paul said. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Look what he said. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, what's the word? Everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, now folks, the Apostle Paul is saying... Right now, in this moment, you can rejoice in the Lord. But Paul, how do we pull that off? Well, he tells us right here, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Folks, encourage yourself. Jesus is coming back. And we can be happy, we can be joyful where we are, no matter the tough time, because our 
future is secured. Jesus is coming back. Now, the circumstances that we're involved in every day do not have the last word. Oh, we think they do, but they don't. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It could be cancer. It could be stroke. It could be heart attack. It could be bankrupt. It could be divorce. It could be some terrible calamity. But these terrible circumstances don't have the last word. Jesus is going to have the last word. So how can we rejoice in the Lord always? Jesus is coming back, folks. Don't forget it. He's coming back. And then don't worry about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Everything he said. Look at this again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, people, because of the righteousness of Jesus covering us, we can go into the presence of God and talk to him about what's the word Everything, everything. And you know, God has given us the Holy Spirit. And when we go to talk to God about everything, problems, circumstances, our future, what does God do? God releases the Holy Spirit to calm us, to settle down, and to calm our fears. And then we are filled with a peace that you can't explain, and you can't explain it away either. Now, we've all been there. We've held the hand of a dear loved one who is leaving this world for the next. Or we have sat beside a friend who is going through a terrible time, maybe with a child or maybe with a marriage. And we have sat beside friends whose hearts are broken over something that tragic that has happened. And I have been in so many of those situations in the last 55 years. And I can testify to you that in those situations, there was an unexplainable peace. A peace that you couldn't explain, and a peace you couldn't explain away either. We had a lady who was dying of cancer, and she said to me, LD, it can put me down, but it will not get me down. And it didn't. Rejoice in the Lord always. Jesus is coming back. And when you're worried, talk to God about it. And then let the Holy Spirit start guarding your heart and enjoy right where you are. You see, we don't relieve our fears about the future by trying to give orders to, to tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't take orders from us. But when we live by faith, order, order will come to the worst of circumstances. All right, let's do a little review and then we'll get to the last one. We don't fear the future when we realize the past gives us security. We don't fear the future when we live in the present with confidence. And this one probably will, may be one of the toughest. We don't fear the future when we determine to meet the future with obedience. Ooh, obey. What a tough word. When God says, fear not, you go through the Bible. When God says, fear not, fear not, fear not, 
most of the commands come after that to call for risky obedience. If you're not, and then, boy, here comes the risky command to, to obedience. Abraham, Abraham, yeah, yeah, that's God, I am here. Abraham, I want you to take Isaac to Mount Moriah and offer him up as a sacrifice to me. God, what? What are you talking about? Isaac is the future. Remember how hard it was to get him here? Isaac was the future. He's my tomorrow. I know, Abraham. I know. But I want you to obey me and give him to me. I, can't, I just can't imagine Abraham's faith. Abraham did exactly what God said. He went to Mount Moriah. He built an altar. He put the wood on it. He put his boy on it and raised the knife. Now, by obeying God, did Abraham threaten his future? Folks, we don't threaten our future by obedience. We guarantee our future by obedience. And we can face the future, even though it's fearful, if we will determine to meet the future with obedience. We have to make a commitment. And you as a church, facing this new future of yours, you have to make a commitment and say, I will obey God, even though it may be risky. Now, now when that fearful generation, that, that fearful Israeli generation, wandered around in a desert for 40 long years, God raised up a new generation. <laughs> and that new generation said, we're going to go where our parents were afraid to go. We're going to take the promised land with the help of the Lord. Our parents were afraid to do it. We're going to go with God. And God said, go, go, march, go. Well, <laughs> they're coming to the river. It's at flood set. What do we do? March, 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 go. They get 100 yards away. 50 yards away, 25 yards away, 10 yards away. That river is flowing fast and fiercely. But those priests, you know what those priests did? They waded into the water. God stopped the river, opened up the river, and they walked across. Sometimes the only way to get anywhere with God is just get your feet wet. And sometimes you've experienced this. Many times God has impressed on me to do something. And it makes absolutely no sense at all. Ever been there? Yeah, you have. Makes no sense. Why? But you obey God in faith. And our problem is so many of us are afraid to get our feet wet. Don't be afraid of the future when you believe that God is already there. Now, one step at a time in obedience. And I've discovered, boy, in the 55 years, man, oh, man, 
I tell you, that first step can be a doozy, can it not? But then you obey. <clears throat> it's tough. But then you take another step. And you take another step in obedience. And you take another step in obedience. And the more steps you take, the more confidence you are in following God's plan and God's will. And you know that God is in this. And God is already there in the future waiting on you. And he'll bring it to completion. Under the hands of the Nazis. Corey Tin Boom and her family suffered terribly. During the 1977 Billy Graham Crusade, I was on the executive committee, and there were two people that I wanted to meet during that crusade. We had already met Billy Graham and spent time with him, but there were two people that I wanted to meet. I wanted to meet Corey Ten Boom, and I wanted to meet Ethel Waters, that beautiful black lady that sang his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I was so looking forward to meeting them but then learned that they had died before the crusade. But Corey Ten Boom suffered painfully and terribly in the Nazi concentration camps because of her faith. She was let out of prison because of a typographical error, a clerical error. Did you know that? A clerical error. <laughs> It wasn't an error. It was God. And she was let out of prison and her life was saved. And she became one of the great voices of Christianity around the world. And boy, she said a lot of wonderful things and left a lot of wonderful words and rich wisdom and insight in her books. Remember The Hiding Place? Remember the movie The Hiding Place about her life? She said this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Look at the screen. Say it with me. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Amen. Sing it with me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are in the future of Burlington Baptist Church. And no matter what the future brings to Burlington Baptist Church, you're already there, and you're going to be there. So help them not to fear tomorrow. Lord, help them to know that with your help, they can face their unknown future. And because they know who holds the future, and they know who holds their hand. We pray this in the name of the one who holds our hands and who holds the future. Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people said amen. amen. Today we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life as, our, as your Lord and Savior. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. 
you know, one of these days when we all gather in heaven. And uh, I hope that the Lord lets all of us who live in Boone County live in the same place. I really do. And, and, and uh, I tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like for First Church in Burlington to have a big party at the Eastern Gate when we get there. Amen. We'll invite the Gaithers over to sing. We'll even invite Danny over to sing. And we're going to have Grater's ice cream and Montgomery ribs and Skyline chili. So come to the party. And it's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. And you don't want to miss it. Because Jesus is going to be in the very midst. Our Lord and Savior is going to be there. And he's going to reign forever and ever. And we're going to live with him in a place where we'll never have a bad thought. Never worry. I lay at night sometimes and I tell Joyce, I can't imagine a day when you're not have an anxious thought or a worry. Woo! So that's what we're offering you this morning through Jesus Christ. Come and accept him. If you want to pray, come to this altar. If you want to take communion, come to the communion stations. And there are some of you here this morning that need to obey Jesus in baptism. You just keep putting it off. Why would you put it off? Jesus said do it. Why wouldn't you want to do it? So you need to make that decision today. Let's stand and sing. Oh, yeah.